1: and enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. We shall play. Hello, friends! Welcome to Season 5, Episode 13. Unlucky for some, but not for you, because I'm feeling saucy tonight. Who am I? I'm glad you asked, because I'm your host, Jason Hill. And Santa's list be damned, I like a little naughty with my nice. I like to earn that lump of coal because the fat prick is honor-bound to bring it. And when old Saint Nick comes down the chimney, well, that's when the real fun begins. Oh, I still put out milk and cookies, but, uh, I don't think he'll like them... (laughs) Oh, I am in the Christmas spirit this December, but that's not what tonight is about. Tonight is about a belated Happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish friends out there. And be assured that I will commit to getting the Hanukkah stories in in a more timely manner next time. Because you wouldn't want those candles to burn down again without your old friend from the house on the hill. He doesn't like to brag, but word around the temple is he's a mensch. At least, for a goy. Bit of an oyster or two, and his accents are a dreck. but otherwise, a mensch. So next year, set a little brisket aside. Because the hill is bringing the holla. Oh, real quick, that thing about me not liking to brag is such a fucking lie, (laughs) but uh, you guys probably knew that already, shall we? Oh, and uh, remember, if you like the show but you don't like the ads, you can get an ad-free version of it and everything else from the audio archives dating back to 2012 from the Simply Scary Podcast Network, all you gotta do is click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. It would be the virtuous thing to do. Now, welcome, listeners, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Now, without further ado, from author Micah Edwards, I give you... Hanukkah Harry. It's nearly Hanukkah again. The Jewish winter holiday also called the Festival of Lights. To most people, that refers to the oil that miraculously lasted much longer than it should have, keeping the eternal flame burning until more oil could be made. For me, though, it's the story of a very different eternal flame, One that's burned in my house ever since I was a kid. It wasn't always like that. My family used to celebrate Hanukkah like everyone else. We'd light the menorah every evening with one more candle each night until all nine were burning on the eighth night. We'd eat latkes, spin the dreidel, and hand out presents. I used to love Hanukkah. The crisp, hot latkes covered in applesauce and sour cream. The warm glow of the candles. The joy of winning chocolate guilt when the dreidel fell my way. And the presents, of course, even though they were often socks. That's how it started, actually. With a pair of socks. I was twelve, and it was the first night of Hanukkah. My mother lit the shamash and used it to light the first candle while we sang the prayers. My father offered me a mesh bag of dollar store chocolate coins and asked if I wanted to play dreidel, but I was excited for the presents. The first night was usually something good. First, fifth, and eighth. Those were where the good presents landed. In between were just the filler gifts, and on those nights dreidel would be more important. But this was the first night, but I wanted to see what I'd gotten I don't remember what it was now something I wanted I'm sure probably something I'd hounded my parents about until I'd convinced them that I'd die without it I don't remember what I got them either what I do remember are the socks there were usually four presents per night in my family one from my parents to me one from me to them and one from each of them to each other that night There was an extra present. It was a thin rectangle wrapped in plain brown paper. It was very neatly done, with a small card taped precisely in the center of the box. My mother looked a bit confused when she picked it up. It says it's from Hanukkah Harry? It doesn't say who it's for. Let me open it, I begged. My father laughed. There's an extra present, so you think it must be for you, huh? Well, you could be right. Open it and see what it is. I tore into it with excitement, ripping away the paper to reveal a blank white cardboard box. Inside of that was a pair of tall socks covered in pictures of menorahs, dreidels, and the words, Happy Hanukkah, in a repeating pattern. Huh. I said, checking the box for anything I might have missed. Maybe a note, explaining who it was for, or even why it was here. The box was small and contained nothing else. Thanks? I didn't mind the socks. They were an extra present, after all. I just didn't understand why there had been the extra build-up. The promise of a mystery present, only for it to be... socks... It felt anticlimactic. My mother cast another sidelong glance at my dad. He only shrugged. Hanukkah Harry works in mysterious ways. We played dreidel after that, betting our chocolate coins against each other as the candles burned down. I got a few lucky gimmel's when the betting pool was high and came out the big winner of the night. My father attributed to the lucky socks I'd gotten from Hanukkah Harry, saying that they covered my shins. My mother said that if this entire thing had been a setup for that joke, he wasn't getting any latkes for the rest of Hanukkah, but he swore that it had just come to him in the moment. The candles burned slowly down. I gorged myself on cheap chocolate, and it was basically just a night of Hanukkah like any other. On the second night, there was another deeply wrapped brown paper present, almost exactly the same size as the one the night before. It was again marked as being from Hanukkah Harry, and, as always, it had no recipient. Huh. Do you want to open it again? My father asked me. I held up my gift from my parents, a six-pack of white athletic socks. No thanks. I've got all the socks I need tonight. I'll open it, my mother said casting a curious look at my father. The blank box within the paper resembled the previous one, but this time it contained a pair of elbow-length white gloves. Thank you. They're lovely. Don't thank me. Thank Hanukkah Harry, my father said. My mother laughed and shoved him lightly. The third night it was the same thing once more. This time my father opened the mystery present. "'I'm sure Hanukkah Harry got you something good,' my mother teased him, "'almost like he knew exactly what you would want.' "'It isn't me,' protested my father. "'I don't know why you think it is.' The present was revealed to be a balaclava made out of thick white wool. My father held it up quizzically. It was my mother's turn to declare her innocence. "'It looks nice and warm, though,' she said. "'Very good coverage.' Later that night, after I was supposed to have been asleep in bed, I heard my parents discussing the mystery gifts. "'I swear it isn't me,' my father said. "'I assumed it was you.' "'Why would I get myself a present?' my mother asked. "'Why wouldn't you? The very nice gloves. "'I thought maybe you were hinting about what sort of thing I should have gotten you. "'Well, if you're taking hints, I wouldn't mind a new dress to go with the gloves?' Ask Hanukkah Harry. I've already bought and wrapped all of your gifts for this year. Seriously, though, my mother dropped her voice to a whisper. If it's you, you have to tell me. Because if it isn't, how are the gifts getting into our house? I promise it isn't, replied my father. I'll, um, check all the locks tonight. I assume he did so, though maybe he forgot. Either way, there was a plain brown present from Hanukkah Harry there again on the fourth night. Maybe we shouldn't open it, my mother said. It's bigger than the others, my father said. Maybe it's something that will explain what's going on. It was a weak argument, but my mother was as curious as any of us, so it was enough to sway her. My father opened it up and withdrew a pair of pajamas printed with a pattern of cheery Hanukkah symbols similar to the socks. "'This is weird,' my mother said. That night, I heard each window rattling as she checked the locks, not trusting the job my father had done. But there was still another present on the fifth night. "'I don't like this,' said my mother. "'Someone is getting into our house.' The Christians have this every year, my father told her. It's about time we got a Jewish Santa. You are not taking this seriously. It's presents! I'm sure it's someone we know playing a joke. Well, they can go ahead and admit to it any time now. I am not laughing. We don't have to open it if you don't want to. My mother sighed. No, open it. You might as well know what it is. Inside was a plastic mask. The face was rosy-cheeked and smiling with a fringe of hair, curly sideburns and a beard painted along the edges. The eye holes were covered with mesh so that no one could see in, but the wearer could still see out. Hanukkah Harry was stamped on the inside of the mask. "'Well, now we know who's been sending the gifts,' my father said, holding up the mask to look it in the face."
0: download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com that's A-N-G-I dot com
1: he then put on a squeaky voice and nodded the mask with his hand you're welcome stop it, said my mother I don't like it sorry, he said in the squeaky voice bobbing the mask at her she glared at him and he dropped it onto the table right on to dreidel then The next night, I was upstairs washing my hands when I heard my mother laugh. "'So it was you this whole time?' I heard her say. "'It was me,' replied a neutral voice I didn't recognize. My father spoke. "'Fine. Very good. I should have seen what this was building toward. I see there's no extra present tonight.' I wondered who was downstairs.' I didn't know of anyone who was supposed to be coming over, but it sounded like whoever it was had been behind the presents. I hurried down, anxious to find out. My parents were in the living room with their backs to me. Across the room from them, on the side of the couch where I usually sat, was a curious figure. The Hanukkah Harry mask shielded his face from view, and his head and neck were covered by the white balaclava. The Hanukkah socks and long white gloves stuck out from the pajamas, covering every inch of skin. Who is that? I asked from the stairs. My parents whirled around, looks of shock on their faces. It isn't... Uh... We thought... I am Hanukkah Harry, the intruder said in the same neutral tone. I'm here for Hanukkah. He stood then and my parents both flinched back. He crossed to the menorah and lit the shamash, then used it to light all six of the other candles, singing the Hanukkah Bracha as he did so. Uncertain what to do, we all simply... watched. When the candles were lit, Hanukkah Harry picked up a dreidel and turned to face us. The unmoving grin on the plastic face mocked our fear. He leaned down to the table and gave the dreidel a spin. When the light of the last candle goes out, Harry said, I'll collect my winnings. They walked toward the door. My parents shrank away from him. I retreated up several stairs, but he made no move toward me. He exited our house through the front door and vanished into the night. I'm going to call the police, my father said. Look, said my mother, pointing toward the menorah. On the table next to it, the dreidel still spun. How is it still going? My father moved slowly into the room, thoughts of the police forgotten. He waved his hand over the spinning top, then gently gave it a light flick with his finger... The dreidel wavered for a moment, then righted itself. My father nudged it again, harder. Don't, said my mother, but the dreidel had once again shrugged off the hit. It seemed determined to continue its spin. I'm going to grab it, my father said. Seth, don't, my mother pleaded. Leave it alone. I don't like anything that's happening here. The dreidel continued to spin throughout the evening, lasting hours instead of mere seconds. Finally, when the last Hanukkah candle burned down to the end and extinguished itself with a small wisp of smoke, the dreidel stuttered to a stop. We all gathered around to look. It showed a nun, the face that means you neither won nor lost anything. A nun, my father asked. All that for nothing. At least he won't be coming back, my mother said. He didn't win, he didn't lose. He has no reason to return. On the next night, though, Honneke Harry appeared again, sitting on the couch like he belonged there. My mother let out a small shriek when she entered the room to see him there. What do you want? She cried. I'm Hanukkah Harry, he said again, his tone as level as ever. I'm here for Hanukkah. He picked up the matches and lit the shamash. Once he'd lit the other candles and sung the prayer, he spun the dreidel just as before. Then headed for the door. My father made a grab for Harry's mask as he walked past, but Harry bobbed to the side without even turning his head to look. When the light of the last candle goes out, he said, pausing at the door, I will collect my winnings. He walked into the night and was gone. The dreidel spun the entire time that the candles burned again and finally fell as the menorah went dark. This time, it showed a hay, not as good as a gimel where you collect everything in the center, but still a win condition, letting you take half of it. Half the pot, my mother asked. What does that mean? What does he think we're betting? We found that out soon enough. Half of the money in my parents' accounts disappeared overnight. Checking, savings, retirement, all gone, as if it had never been there. The same was true for money in the house, cash in their wallets, and even half of the chocolate gelt I had left. Apparently, what we were betting was everything. We left on the eighth night. We went to a friend's house and celebrated Hanukkah with them. I was certain that Hanukkah Harry was going to track us down, to walk in their door and confront us again. But we lit the candles and said the prayers, and nothing happened. Eventually, we relaxed. We ate and laughed and shared presents, and it was almost like normal. But when we returned home at the end of the evening, all of the tension came rushing back. We had left before sunset to make it in time for the candle lighting. We had not lit our own menorah. And yet, there in the window of our living room, nine tiny lights flickered. When we stepped inside, the house was quiet, other than a very faint droning sound coming from the living room. We walked toward it, drawn inexorably on we found what we knew we must. The sound was being made by a plastic top spinning away on a wooden table, dancing merrily for hours, waiting for the last candle to burn out. Maybe it'll be a shin, my father said. Maybe, maybe he'll lose for a change. What if it's a gimel? whispered my mother, as if afraid to even say the words aloud. What if he takes everything? We'll rebuild. What if it's everything? She repeated, stressing the word. Not just money. Everything. My father stared at the menorah. There was barely any wax left to the candles. One had already gone out. Wait here, he said, and disappeared into the basement. He returned with a pillar candle, carrying it over to the menorah. The breeze as he walked caused the fires to sputter. Two more went out. Careful, said my mother. My father slowed his steps but continued on. He knelt carefully before the menorah and held the wick of the pillar candle up to the dying flames. Slowly, a bead of wax trickled down, and then the wick caught. My father set the candle carefully down on the table. Does that count? My mother asked. My father looked over at the remnants of the Hanukkah candles. Only three flames remained. I guess we'll find out in a few minutes... All three of us stared at the Hanukkah candles as they faded down to nothing. The shamash was the last to go. Its flame faded down to a little blue glow, then flared upward into one final gasp before finally extinguishing. Our eyes snapped to the dreidel. I was sure it would see it totter and fall, but it spun on undisturbed, lit by the glow of the pillar candle. The light of the last candle hasn't gone out, my father said. He sighed in relief, then covered his mouth in horror as the flame faltered in the sudden wind. It recovered and he sighed again, this time in a safer direction. We have to protect it, my mother said, and we need bigger candles. How long? Will that burn? I won't bore you with the details. Suffice it to say that although it has been decades when my parents have passed on and I have moved a half dozen times since then, there is in my house a shelf with a large candle protected by a hurricane glass cylinder and next to it spins a dreidel ...that never seems to fall. It might be Shin. I have no reason to believe that Hanukkah Harry would cheat. There's a 50% chance that I'd come out of this just fine. But... ...there is a 50% chance... ...that I wouldn't. Which means that there is a 100% chance... ...that I keep a large supply of candles in the house at all times... And a zero percent chance that I open gifts without labels. You've been listening to Hanukkah Harry by author Micah Edwards. And where the fuck do you think you're going? Sit your ass down, we're not done yet. Our next story is a cautionary tale about a certain not- Uncommon Christmas or Hanukkah gift, but you might want to think twice about opening this one, lest it opens you. And now, from author M. M. Kelly, I give you... Thanks again, Roomba. Some of you may remember the issues I've had with Roombas in the past. It was a shitty situation. On a personal level, I have stabilized and moved on from that incident. My dog, Rowdy, is also safe and sound. A lot of the time between then and now was spent getting the sulfur and char smell out of the upholstery and carpets. I've also spent the last year and a half arguing, fighting, and generally at the throats of the entire customer service department of iRobot. They claim that they aren't responsible for religious rites executed from excrement. I think even if they don't believe in the paranormal, maybe they should be sensitive enough to maybe program the little sweepers not to trace pentagrams. I also think they should be liable for the harassment I've received from people constantly sending me memes about Roombas summoning demons. The back and forth has been heated. I'm pretty sure, based on the giggling in the background, that they used my calls as a gag with the new trainees. However, my persistence has appeared to have paid off. They finally issued an apology and an offer to try their latest product for no charge. Not even shipping. Of course, with my past experience with iRobot, I screamed no into my cell. I immediately hung up. When I called back the next day, seeking reimbursement for the amount of furniture I had replaced due to the smell they offered again. Before I could politely decline like last time, they assured me this model had features I would surely be pleased with. While this new product has a much larger dock, requires a fresh water bottle, and is also significantly larger than the original, itself cleans and never has to be emptied, they passionately assured me that there was no way that this version would get caught in a pile of shit, like the old one. I reluctantly agreed. They emailed me an NDA, since the product is still in testing phases, and also agreed to work me into their paid testing program. I would not have to fill out the reports unless I wanted to, but I would receive a weekly stipend until the product was considered out of beta. I was convinced I was being paid to have a cleaning service. And, in a way, I was. The package was overnighted after they received my signed NDA. When I opened the plain outer package, I was met with the words Roomba King across the top of the inner box. I situated the dock where I could hide the large bottle of water behind an end table. After it was all set up, the thick boy got to work. Every item it picked up was followed by frenzied crunching, grinding the refuse and debris, I reasoned. One of the first things I found peculiar was that Rowdy immediately started barking at it. It wasn't a fearful bark, more like the bark he uses when he sees a squirrel running by the window. I expected him to be a little traumatized from before, but he definitely wasn't scared. The second thing, it returned to the base. A relatively small amount of water would be dispensed, and it would go back to work. Finally, this Roomba seemed to be out and about considerably more than my original model. Despite all of my reservations and stockpiling of white sage, it went very smoothly. My carpets were as clean as they had ever been. It took bigger debris than before. The testing stipends were considerably more than I expected, If they kept the program open for a while longer, it might just pay off the damage from their other product's transgressions. Rowdy would still square up with it, but he was adjusting to it pretty well, in my opinion. Then it ran over Rowdy's tail. I was looking right at him when it happened. He was curious, but not concerned at first. But then he was running and dragging the Roomba King behind him, they finally jerked his tail free, but it was a bloody mess. The flesh was jagged, and the tip was missing. The vet bandaged him and said he would be fine. In a surprising turn of events, folks at iRobot were happy to pay the cost of Rowdy's vet visit, and even sent him a get-well basket, full of treats. Rowdy was rightfully leery of the Roomba King. He avoided being in its path and would trail it like he was stalking a rabbit. His stalking became more frequent when something started scratching the plastic from the inside. He would whine and paw at the casing, then squeak and run off. About three weeks in, I started to smell what had him going crazy. A faint, musty smell was coming from the Roomba King and I had started to find little black pieces of dirt that it wasn't picking up. Once again, the customer service at iRobot was suddenly on point. There were a few maintenance points that I had missed, namely emptying a small tray where the robot dumped what they called compacted refuse. They said the scratching was normal. It was simply the compactor working its magic. The smell would dissipate now that the refuse tray was clean, If I kept it clean, it certainly lessened anyway. And with some Febreze, it worked out nicely, especially considering the checks kept coming. I started to get the feeling that it was following me, though. Every now and then, I would find it bumping into my ankles from behind. Never enough to hurt, but it would scare the shit out of me more often than not. It started tripping me frequently enough that I may have smudged the Roomba with some of the white sage. While it did move away from the smoke, its behavior was not affected. It continued to trip me by sneaking underfoot when I was least aware. Eventually, I accidentally kicked it hard enough that I cracked the curved plastic side. Upon inspection, the crack didn't seem that bad. There wasn't any exposed wires or components, but the crack did land next to a bad omen. A red and orange warning sticker I hadn't noticed. If outer housing becomes damaged, please contact customer support. Pieces which are not obviously exposed may become a serious hazard. It seemed cosmetic at worst a hairline crack in a sturdy device. I left it alone. While watching TV that night, it seemed like the chittering, cracking sound of the grinder inside was worse, rubbing against the plastic constantly. Rowdy mounted a position next to me on the couch for the entire night. When it was time to go to bed, he found himself in the room must path and booked it onto my bed. I may have also scooted to bed a little faster than usual. The king seemed to be hot on my heels, too." I called customer support for the millionth time. "'Oh, is that you again, Larry?' a familiar yet unnameable voice asked. "'Yeah, sorry to call again, but uh, I accidentally kicked the Roomba King, and the housing is cracked. I wasn't going to call because it seems small, but it's acting a little weird, and—' "'Hold on, Larry. I need to put you on hold for one second. The suddenness of being put on hold was shocking. Before, there was always a battery of questions before a higher-up or maybe a colleague was brought into the fray. The first worry was that I would be liable for damage to the machine, then that the tester checks would dry up before they paid off the damage they caused to my home. A ball of anxiety clogged my throat as I waited. Mr. Jones, a new deep and slightly concerned voice asked, "'Still on the line,' I answered, as cheerfully as I could muster through the worries. "'We are going to need you to send the Roomba King back,' he said in a very measured tone. "'I will ensure that a shipping box is overnighted to you. "'Once we receive the damaged unit, we will issue a replacement. "'If, that is, you are still interested?' "'Oh, yes, I'm very interested.' "'The Roomba King has been a godsend, and so has the Tester Program. "'Excellent. I am so glad to hear we could make amends for that unfortunate issue with the original model,' he said with the faux-chipper attitude of a seasoned customer service representative. "'I do need you to block the Roomba King into its dock station while the shipping materials are in transit. "'It is a matter of safety, since this is not yet a production model.' I watched from my bedroom door as the busy Roomba King trudged back and forth in search of dirt and grime. I saw it headed for its dock and briskly walked behind it. Just before entering the dock, it turned around and started coming back towards me. I hopped out of the way, remembering Rowdy's tail, concerned for my bare toes. It went out a few feet and came right back towards my feet again. I attempted to step over it this time, but halfway through it slammed into the foot behind me before I could get it over with a burst of speed I had never observed. I jerked my foot away, but not before it took a chunk out of my toenail. Startled, but unharmed, I grabbed it by the sides and shoved it into its dock. Then I slid the dock up against the back of the couch. The Roomba King ran its grinders and spun fruitlessly in the docking station, Rowdy crept out cautiously and sniffed the captive robot. The grinding seemed to get louder. The wheels spun non-stop, as if unaware that it was supposed to be docked. For the rest of the morning, Rowdy refused to let it out of his sight. I eventually tuned out the angry humming and watched TV. Too many episodes later, I realized I needed to run to the store... I crated Rowdy and made sure the Roomba King was still unable to escape. Rowdy was uneasy, but he laid down with his treat, confident his crate was a safe haven. About 45 minutes later, I was walking up to my door, groceries in hand, and, from outside, I could hear Rowdy losing his ever-loving shit. I hurried with the lock, threw the door open, and ran to the kitchen. The Roomba King was free encircling the perimeter of Rowdy's crate. He was cowering and barking with a full dental display. I grabbed it by the sides and lugged it back to the docking station. This time, I barricaded the sides and back with end tables and my coffee table. When I opened his crate, Rowdy jumped into my arms. He refused to come down off the couch or my bed, and I had to carry him in between. The Roomba King kept spinning and struggling as it had when I left. I checked on it more frequently. The grinding seemed to have a different tone, like it ran out of things to grind and it was scratching at the plastic housing. The scratching kept getting more frantic, and the unit spun constantly in the cradle. I could hear the scraping and grinding even while cooking in the kitchen, an almost constant white noise that made my hair stand on end. Rowdy stayed in his crate while I was cooking, confident the thin bars would maintain his security. A sudden crash startled me into almost taking off a finger as I sliced an onion. Rowdy growled with his hackles out like a porcupine. I ran over to the doorway between the living room and the kitchen. The Roomba had flipped itself on its side pushing the end table away from the dock. It rocked back and forth on its side before rolling towards the kitchen like a hamster wheel on the run. I redialed customer support, stopping and holding the Roomba King with my foot. Good afternoon. How may I assist... I cut the chipper young man off. Connect me to beta testing. I am having severe issues with a product I'm testing. The line immediately started playing their hold music, but only for a few short notes. Is everything all right, Mr. Jones? The manager from before asked with a hint of panic. The Roomba King will not stay in its cradle. It's moved furniture and has flipped itself out somehow. I'm holding it with my foot, like a soccer ball. Right now, it's trying to roll itself around like a hamster wheel. I think you should go find a hotel for a few nights. We'll send a technician out to retrieve and replace. Why is it so dangerous? Is it uranium powered? I interrupted, curious as to why they were being so secretive about a simple vacuum. He stumbled and stuttered before supplying his manufactured response. Sir, it's simply that exposed parts are a safety hazard and we're protecting our proprietary systems. You can send a tech out, but Rowdy and I are staying in our home. Sir, I... I heard as I hung up. The grinding sound was more like the sound of a fingernail picking away brittle paint. A small white protrusion would make itself seen from the hole that had developed by the crack. I knelt down and held the Roomba still by its top and bottom. Upon getting close, I could smell the same musty smell as before, coming from the damaged shell. It was a jagged, slightly yellowed, sharp object, digging away at the plastic. It was undeniably some kind of rodent tooth. A small, black and pink nose filled the hole. As quick as it appeared, it was gone, when the tooth jutted back and forth, chipping away at the hard plastic prison. I grabbed a butter knife from the kitchen and carefully shoved it into the crack when the teeth retreated. What the fuck did they ship inside my sweeper? I said in disbelief as I tried to pry the casing open. A white rat's face emerged in the breach. My heart sank for the little guy. I pried harder but the plastic did not want to give. The rat gnawed at the plastic and another nose instead of teeth started gnawing nearby. Was this their newest compacting technology? Having rats eat the garbage? Suddenly, the water, the black pellets, the musty smell, it all fell into place. I carefully worked the knife in further until the handle was wedged in and rocked it back and forth, forcing the crack to expand slowly. The first rat managed to get its head through the hole. I ignored him trusting he would keep some chill since I was trying to rescue him. In fact, he had no chill and sunk his buck teeth into my thumb. Holy fuck! God fucking damn it! Shit! I yelled and jerked my hand and the butter knife away. In my rush to go wash it out, I left the Roomba King free on the floor. From the kitchen, I could hear the grinding noise for what it was. Frantic chewing. Okay, Google, I shouted as I scrubbed my bleeding thumb. Call iRobot customer support. The speaker on my phone buzzed. iRobot customer support? Dan? Dan? I have a Roomba King. And why the fuck are there two rats inside of it? The line went dead. Then their hold music played for approximately two notes. This has been a horrible, the manager from previously started blathering before I interrupted. "'The rats or why it needed a water bottle, isn't it?' I demanded. "'This isn't a mistake. This is some kind of sick joke.' The chewing got more frantic. Rowdy had started barking at the rats nonstop now that he could see them. One of the rats fell from the hole but was hanging by its tail. I tried to scurry for cover but was unable to. "'Oh, fuck! They're escaping!' I yelled in the phone as another one hopped out only to be caught by its tail. My stomach twisted as I watched rat after rat leap from the breach in the Roomba like a platoon of paratroopers. I wanted to retch, but I wanted answers more. How many fucking rats did you send me in this Trojan horse of yours? I growled. I'm not able to comment on any possible mistakes that we made in ship how many mr jones they said with exasperation i think your priority should be vacating the premises and waiting for our team to come contain the hazard we would hate for anything to happen to our favorite beta tester the rats that were hanging out of the plastic shell had tipped it over and started chewing at the ragged edges making the opening wider more furry little heads poked out of the widening hole until there was a mass of rats in the carpet, mere feet away from me. At first, they tried to run in separate directions, but apparently their innumerable tails had twisted and tied, trapping them in a furry ball of tooth and claw. In no time, the ball of rats started to clumsily roll towards the kitchen. Towards me. Towards Rowdy. A blur of teeth shredded and ached the carpet. When it bumped into the doorframe, the wood strip was demolished. No mess, just simply gnawed into oblivion. The sheer amount of rats was unfathomable, their bodies slowly tumbling towards us, paws scurrying furiously when they touched ground. The eyes were focused on us as they shifted and slid, the replacement frontrunners just as transfixed as the last. Suddenly, I remembered what happened to Rowdy's tail. These rats did not give a single solitary fuck about what they ate. I grabbed Rowdy's collar and flung him out of the crate towards the mudroom. The crate seemed like the best option to contain the lurching abomination. I flung the door open and ran towards it, pushing the crate like a teenager with a shopping cart. I let out a scream of dominance as I plowed the ball of rats back into the living room and against the back of the couch with the crate. They squashed in. I grabbed the crate and tipped it on its short end, then latched the door. Over Rowdy's worried barking, I heard my phone ringing. iRobot customer support. Yeah, your fucking rats just ate a hole in my wall, I snapped. But I locked them up in a dog crate. What the fuck do you want? Mr. Jones, get out of that house, the same manager said somberly. Look, they're in a metal cage. I flipped it up just get your people out here I am not relocating because of the bullshit you just pulled are you sure? he asked as if quizzing a toddler Rowdy's barks turned into a warning growl as the black painted bars were assaulted by yellow and white teeth clicking over them over and over the cage rattled and shook then low but sharp snaps happened as the individual bars were worked through What the fuck are these? As I've told you before, that is proprietary information, Mr. Jones. Segments of the crate began falling to the floor. I can hear that flimsy little crate failing you. You should really heed my advice. Those little monsters don't give two fucks about your pride or principles. I wanted to scream at him, but the side of the cage fell to the tile in shambles. I ran for the door. Rowdy ran with me, hunkered to the ground, tail tucked. I slammed the door and we jumped in my car. I waited, watching the door. Are you and your dog safe? The voice asked from my previously silent phone. Yes, I said with a grumble. Won't they chew through the house and run amok? Our studies show that exterior walls contain the compactor unit of the Roomba King very efficiently. We believe they dislike the taste of most insulative materials.. You've been listening to "Thanks Again Roomba" by author M. M. Kelly. Hanukkah Harry was written by and brought to you courtesy of Micah Edwards. Micah Edwards graduated from William and Mary with a degree in English and no particular plans to use it. Ah, a man after mine own heart. And now finds himself occupying various roles as an author, a comedian, and a database administrator, depending on the day of the week. He resides in Richmond, Virginia, the world's premier home of authors named Micah Edwards. His works run the gamut from superhero noir, as seen in the Experiment series, to non-fiction conversational retellings of the Bible. Wow, that sounds interesting. He has rewritten horror stories for children and fairy tales for adults. In addition to his books, he is also a regular contributor to the No Sleep subreddit, as well as maintaining his author subreddit at www.reddit.com slash r slash More information and more stories can be found at Micah Edwards.com. Thanks Again Roomba was written by and brought to you courtesy of M.M. M. Kelly. M.M. M. Kelly is a horror and speculative fiction writer based in Loveland, Ohio, a place I have actually been. And I love (laughs) Lindit. He is currently working as a scientist during the day and uses the night to craft weird and creepy tales for all to enjoy. His works span the gamut of topics and tropes from ghosts, cryptids, and witches to body horrors and eldritch abominations. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free, ad-free, and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill... For yet another dance with darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. Unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshak. The program's logo was created by Craig Groschak, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at chillingtalesfordarknights.com. In addition to helping us out, You'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams.